The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 306 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from medical practice. Our topic today is Women Unite on the Web to Defeat Fraudsters. Now, financial fraud or abuse is the fastest growing form of elder abuse. And financial fraud also affects other people whose health makes them vulnerable or who just expect honesty from the people they deal with. Financial fraud occurs when someone illegally or improperly uses a person's money or other property. Many, many countries, states and provinces have laws that make financial fraud a crime and provide ways to help the elderly and to punish the fraudsters. But financial fraud is hard to combat, in part because it often goes unreported. One reason for the unreporting is that many victims, particularly elderly victims, are often too confused, fearful or embarrassed by the crime to report it. One study by Consumers Digest estimated that there are at least 5 million cases of this form of financial abuse in the US every year. But law enforcement or government officials are notified about only a million and a quarter of these cases. The advice commonly offered to potential victims and the rest of us is that individuals can protect themselves or their loved ones from financial elder abuse and similar by becoming familiar with the most common scams and learning themselves what to do if they suspect scamming. But there's another way, which is for groups of people to unite to defeat fraudsters, which is why our topic Women Unite on the Web to Defeat Fraudsters is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Monica Draper. Monica is a creative and talented individual. She has a technical background of working in an information technology department for a large Canadian bank for almost 20 years. For the past 10 years, she's followed her passion, which is web and graphic design. As a result, she has a long list of happy website clients. She's also amazing at Photoshop and can bring an old, wrinkled, coffee-stained and faded photograph to life. She has four children and four grandchildren and presently lives in a rustic home on 10 acres north of Toronto, Canada. And she recently lost more than $100,000 to an unlicensed financial advisor. So, 
Monica, please tell us more about your career and about your experience with family caregiving. Monica? Hello, Dr. Atherley. Thank you so much for allowing me a spot on your show. Let's see. I've been self-employed web designer and graphic artist for the last 10 years, of which you said. And prior to starting my own business, I worked 18 years for a major bank in their IT department. However, at that time, I found myself going through a separation, and my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. We sort of figured this out when my daughter and I drove over to Stony Creek to visit her. She prepared us tea, and it was made with CLR. Now, being an only child and the only caregiver for my mother, I had to travel two and a half hours on a weekly basis from the Uxbridge area to Stony Creek in order to provide her care. I was what you called the sandwich generation. I took care of my mother, my depressed husband, and my children, and that was difficult, very, very difficult. I had to kidnap my mom from her place of residence and bring her back here to live with us. That was not easy, being a caregiver to someone with Alzheimer's, as she was paranoid and hated living in the country. Although living here and being under my own roof, it did make it easier to obtain community assistance in finding her a home within my area. Luckily, it only took three months for her to be placed in a wonderful retirement nursing home in Keswick, and I would definitely suggest Cedar Vale Lodge to someone looking for a nice home for their loved ones. Now, my mom's turning 90 this year. She's been in Cedar Vale Lodge for the last 12 years, and every time I go in to see her, I thank those wonderful angels for taking such good care of her. I know how difficult it was, and they do it on a daily basis. I was very pleased when that came through, as it made life easier. Right. And allowed me to attend her to my family matters, which also allowed me to go back to school for web design and graphic arts. And that allowed me to put my family first. Now, talking about angels, let me talk you, ask you about something else, which is not angels. Monica, please tell us about your experience with an alleged fraudster. Monica? Oh, my. Well, I worked a lot. And it takes a long time to establish your own business. And my kids voiced that I spent way too much time in my office, and they felt that I should be out enjoying myself and getting a life. So my daughter put me on Plenty of Fish, an internet dating site. However, I had no concept of online dating. Firstly, I was not ready to be dating, as there was still a lot of healing that needed to take place. After every breakup, it's always wise to assess what had happened in your relationship and what you needed to do in order to move forward. I was still working on that. On the internet, middle-aged women who have just separated or divorced, are prime candidates for Internet dating scams. It's a different dating scene out there today. We came from a time when we believed that individuals are who they say they are, and that is so far from the truth. I met a man on Plenty of Fish named Glenn Witter, who portrayed himself as a financial specialist. We dated for five months, and then it moved over to a client working relationship. I worked with this man in a business capacity for four years, creating him promotional material, building him five websites, and in turn, he provided me with financial advice and investments, or so I thought. As I was still legally married, he said that I should put the house in my name and file for divorce. Well, that made sense to me, as I had been waiting until my youngest son obtained the age of 18. After that, 
he became an adult, which made things a lot easier. Everything went through perfectly. That was how he hooked you. He gained your trust, helped you out, and then he turned around and asked for money. With a sad tale of woe, Glenn told me about a mortgage deal that had gone wrong. He asked me if I would help him by investing in a second mortgage, which would provide me with monthly income. Well, that worked well for a while. However, after 18 months, those investment payments stopped. Then I started receiving phone calls from other women asking if I knew where Glenn was. And it was at that point in time that the the RCMP became involved. Now, I want you to tell us about the effects of this experience, the effects on you, the the effects that this experience had on you, having gone through all of this and trusted people, trusted an individual. What did it do to you, all of this? Well, this experience has caused a whirlwind of emotions, first off financially and then emotionally. Financially, it's been difficult coming up with extra income to cover the monthly loss of that investment. You make an investment, so it brings in income. If there's no longer that income, you have to find it somewhere else. Then, being self-employed, you need to network to find your clients. It's difficult to do so if you're in an emotional rut. If you're not feeling good about yourself, how on earth can you manage to solicit clients? You can't. So here's where you have a double whammy keeping your work going, and finding that extra income to cover your financial loss. Your journey requires that you follow the five steps of loss and grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. I knew after it happened that I'd better start preparing myself for that journey. What made it even more difficult was being the phone contact for other women who were experiencing the same situation. After the RCMP officer spoke to each woman involved, he passed over my name and number, and then I tried to help them through their journey. Did this impact me? Oh, yeah, sometimes. The victims wanted to talk about it and then bury it in the sand and move on, as they felt there was nothing they could do about it and they were far too embarrassed to even try. By keeping in contact with these women, I found I was constantly floundering in the depression stage. To exasperate the situation, my mother, who has Alzheimer's, ended up in emergency and then in palliative care. I couldn't work at all. In my ultimate wisdom, I knew I needed to find outside employment, some place that I could go on a daily basis where they would tell me what to do and pay me at the end of the week. So that was the path I chose. When I felt better about the situation, I was able to leave that job and continue working on my business. I believe that I have now reached the acceptance stage as I feel a heck of a lot stronger. Now, that's a very telling experience because what it's saying to us, Monica, is that you lost the money. You were deprived of the money, but it also had other serious effects on you in that it prevented you doing your work. It um, was a horrible experience to go through. So if you count all of those losses, they really are much more or significantly more than the money you lost. Now, do you agree with that? that Absolutely. Absolutely. And And there's also the word jaded. I am so jaded by internet dating that everyone I look at, I look back and think, oh, no, that's a con man. Might as well not even bother. 
So I don't know if I'll ever get to the stage where I would want to start dating anybody. And that's sad. It is indeed. And we're going to be talking in a moment about some of the things that um, you want to do and should be done um, to counter this this threat to trusting people who trust like you did. So at this moment, we've got to take the short break. This is where I always say we have to pay the rent. So we'll do that. And then we're going to come back. So this is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Monica Draper. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat Jr., President and CEO of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Do you ever just ask why? If others, especially children, ask you the same question, how do you answer? Is life a whole bunch of questions just waiting for the right answer? When you tune in to The Mickey Ellison Show, you'll find out how to find the answers and open up so many more questions as you do. At what point in our lives did we stop answering the why questions and just settle for whatever answer we've been programmed to settle for? Never stop asking why. Join Mickey Ellison every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Monica Draper. Our topic is Women Unite on the Web to Defeat Fraudsters. Now, 
what I want to ask you about in segment two, Monica, please, is about your experience in getting action, action by the police and justice systems and the obstacles you and others face or faced in getting your money back. So let's start off, Monica, with the question, what was your experience in getting action from the police and justice systems? Okay, what was my experience in getting action from the police and justice system? All right. Now, the RCMP officer working on the case has been the most amazing officer I have ever met in his life, in my life. I kept asking him if he has older brothers, but they're only sisters. <laughs> now, he's gone far beyond the call of duty and what was expected of him. In fact, it was a fluke that he even became involved. One of the victims in the Niagara region was scammed by Witter. She didn't know what to do, so she drove to Etobicoke to report it to the police, as that was where Witter resided. On the way home, she stopped, just on a fluke, at the RCMP office in Stony Creek. When she walked in, the RCMP officer noted that no one was at the desk, so he came out and spoke to her, and I am so glad that he did. As I was Witter's web designer and set up all his emails, I was able to provide this officer with all Witter's incoming emails, which then allowed the RCMP officer to start his investigation, contact all of the potential victims, and offer assistance wherever he could. While working on this case, the officer found that there was an upcoming court case for Witter. Apparently, 10 years earlier, Witter had been charged with defrauding an elderly lady out of $245,000. The justice system gave him 10 years to repay this woman. Witter managed to repay $165,000 by running his Ponzi scheme, whereby he scammed other women to pay back this woman. However, there was still $80,000 outstanding. Therefore, there was a court case. The RCMP officer found out that the justice system was just going to throw this case out of court due to a 10-year ruling. Now, I don't get that. Where's the justice in that? I understand that we are backlogged. However, throwing this case out of court was just wrong. The officer took this to the prosecution to get it reinstated, showing the Crown that Witter had just continued on with his crimes. He learned nothing from this and needed to be caught, charged, and put in jail. Witter never showed up for both of his court dates, and now there's a bench warrant out for his arrest. When he's caught, five years for that one. Fisco, Financial Services Commission of Ontario, has also charged him for 18 mortgage frauds, stating that he is not a mortgage broker. He's been evicted from his condo for non-payment of rent and has since disappeared. So on February 20th of this year, I attended Witter's Fisco court case. He was facing nine counts of dealing in mortgages without a brokerage license and nine counts of administering mortgages without a mortgage administrator's license. The star reporter and I sat and waited for his case to come up. It never did. Apparently, he wasn't even on the docket. So Fisco cannot file these charges until he's found. Then they will proceed with the sentencing. I don't know where he is. And I'm not waiting for him to be found. I'm making sure that this man stays in the public eye so when he is found, justice will prevail. Now, Monica, I want to ask you what you can tell us about the experience of other women in getting action from the police and the justice systems. Mm -hmm. Monica? 
Now, I've spoken to 10. As I said, the RCMP turned them over to me. I've listened to their stories and have documented them, and some are really sad. Uh, two of the women have filed complaints with the Better Business Bureau. Two of us have filed in small claims court, myself and another lady out west. However, the charges filed in small claims court have since been returned by post, as we require a place of residence to serve in papers. And he has no place of residence, as he's been evicted from his rented condo and is now on the run somewhere. Same for Fisco. They, too, could not file, as the law requires they have a place of residence to serve them papers. I find that odd. Many of the women scammed by Witter have also spoken to the RCMP officer. However, Witter understood how to work the system from his last escapade with the 265000 So there's lack of paper trail, which makes it difficult for him to be charged in these cases. Only one woman out of the many that were able to file a charge with the RCMP has done so. There was also a case where one woman had purchased Witter a vehicle. He, in turn, made her monthly payments. However, when there was no more money being brought in from his Ponzi scheme, he stopped making the payments. The RCMP officer was able to locate the vehicle, which was in his underground parking, hook it up to a tow truck, and returned it to her. That was one of the good stories. Otherwise, we have women who will never see their money again, such as myself. These stories are heart-wrenching as their retirement money is now gone. Remember, these women are all middle-aged. They, too, have to sell their homes and look back into renting, which is such a shame. Witter was also into joint venturing with GLGIs. These are Global Learning Group Incorporated. He would talk you into cashing your RRSPs or using your savings to invest in a tax shelter. Sometimes he handed that money in for the GLGIs, and other times he just pocketed it. Many, many, many of the individuals who did invest in this tax shelter have been contacted by the CRA stating that they owe the government the money back, plus interest. That seems, just a quick comment, that seems ironically unfair, doesn't it? But we'll get we'll get to that question in a moment. Now, I'm asking you a similar question, and it's this. What do you see as the most important obstacles that you and others faced in getting your money back? What were the obstacles? Monica? All right. What do I see as an obstacle on getting our money back? Well, firstly, there is no getting our money back. It's gone. He ran a Ponzi scheme whereby he would take your money that you are investing with him and pay returns to the other women that he owed. His system fell apart when he needed more women to bring in more funds, sort of like a pyramid scheme. What do I see as obstacles? For one, the Internet itself, the lack of laws governing the Internet, the fact that the Internet dating sites are allowed to promote profiles that are fraudulent, and not assume any responsibility if those fraudulent profiles cause any pain to any other individual. Secondly, the government's inability to govern what is happening on the web. There are no rules and no penalties, especially for situations like this. Thirdly, the Canadian government's penalty for fraud. In Canada, the penalty for fraud is not enough. In the U.S., fraud is considered a serious offense. Our government needs to address this. Our legislation needs to change, and I do understand that it takes time. We have to be that squeaky wheel that demands to be oiled. 
I've already addressed this with my MPP and MP, and I won't stop. All Witter knows and has ever known is how to con women. He's out there doing it again and again to another unsuspecting woman. He has no concept on how to do anything else. Personally, I want his photo and name out there. I humiliated myself by putting my story and his photo on the front page of the Toronto Star. I did whatever it took to circulate that photo in his name. On a good note, that did net me the opportunity to tell you my story on... uh, on this radio station, and I've gotten a phone call from CBC for an upcoming documentary on Internet fraud, and I also have the opportunity for another documentary on the entire story. Also, I'm in the process of writing a book on how he did it. It's taken longer than anticipated, as I, too, had to follow the grieving process, and every time I started writing, it kept taking me deeper and deeper and deeper into that dark, dark hole but I'm a survivor, and the book is well on its way to completion. Now, you've highlighted dating, internet dating services and the internet generally as one of the ways, maybe the most important way, in which these fraudsters exploit people. Now, first of all, do you agree with what I just said? Absolutely. And if you do... Okay, and if you do, let's talk uh, a little bit more about dating sites and the weaknesses you think they have um, that lead to the kind of situations you've been talking about. Talk about, in other words, dating sites and what their weaknesses are, please. Well, dating sites, the one that I was on, was built by a young man. I don't think he intended to build it, but it just grew as he was learning .NET. And it grew, and he turned it into a dating site. And I don't think he really has the expertise to run it properly or like a business, but it was the newest thing on the market, so it boomed. And now I think he's a millionaire. He's not interested in fixing this problem. He's interested in making money. So do you think there's a role for for somebody to supervise these dating sites and perhaps impose on them some rules and some practices that provide some protection that would be ideally a, best protection Go on. that would be an excellent idea and i think that would have to fall in the hands of the government because they themselves have to change the laws when it comes to the internet if the people monica people like you get vociferous enough and you know what i mean by that that is you raise your voices you say this is not right and there are a number of you do you think you could actually push the it in the information technology industry into taking some responsibility to make sure these dating sites are not the danger that you've pointed out what do you think about that Mm, how well have you worked asking the government to get something done (laughs) And it all depends. Is it the voting year and will it get them in office? I remember I went in and I spoke to the MPP in our area and she really listened to it and she looked at the newspaper and says, Monica, what would you like me to bring forward to the legislation? And I wasn't quite sure yet, but I wanted to know if she was on board. And the end thing she said was, realize, if it's a voting year, this will go forward. If it's not, they're not going to pay attention. Wow, not that, politics. Okay, that's a real that's a real go away signal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, 
we've come to the point where we need to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Monica Draper. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Carla Howell, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Monica Draper. Our topic is Women Unite on the Web to Defeat Fraudsters. Monica, now let's talk about the ways in which you are using the web in helping women unite to defeat fraudsters and overcome the obstacles such as those you and other others experience in trying to get the money back. So first question is, what ways do you want to use the web to help women unite to defeat fraudsters? Monica? Well, being a web designer and working with the Internet, whatever I want, I can practically do, which is a good thing. Now, the Internet, it can be a really useful tool. There's websites available for women to report individuals who are fraudsters. One of Witter's victims that I've been speaking with a lot has taken the time to update these websites with information on Gladwinner. It's a smart way to do it. It's really smart if you do a search prior to meeting someone and see what comes up. You never know. They could be on one of those websites. 
When I participated on the Plenty of Fish forums, many people requested having a page where you could report someone who was scamming in one way or another. But that leaves a lot of room for error. If you met someone and they upset you just because they wouldn't pick up the tab for dinner, do you report them for being cheap? So that idea left a lot of loopholes, so it was shot down. The concept's good. It just lacks the capability of being 100% accurate and up-to-date. Now, when I created the website, glenwitter.com, I received two very upsetting emails from women. One woman was calling me a liar and, and said Witter would never do anything like that. The other one told me that Witter was just in a bad place right now, and really he was a, such a good person, and he will turn himself around. Yeah. Here you've got the possibility of wrong information being posted on the net, and in turn, true information being posted, yet the audience still does not believe it's true. Therefore, you have to do your due diligence. Protect yourself. Investigate. In Canada, we have an anti-fraud center located in North Bay. This is run by the government. Personally, I've never been in contact with them as I've been working directly with the RCMP officer. I'm not sure how the Anti-Fraud Center can assist you. When I research them on the web, I see that they issue forewarnings on the latest scams. I remember listening to a CBC talk show last month where they asked me to participate and then withdrew that offer because they were looking more for the sob stories and I'm more of a fighter. Um, let's see, I was listening to that and on the, and they didn't like what was I going? I remember listening to it last month on the Internet dating scams, and they didn't sound like they were really very much help, although I do recall them stating that a support group was available. So I checked the information on romance scams on their, their website, and it reads, any individual with false romantic intentions towards a victim and by gaining their affection and trust, sometimes with the promise of marriage, gain access to the victim's money, bank account, credit cards, or in some cases by getting the victims, usually unknowingly, to commit a fraud on their behalf. And then it provides you with a number to report the fraud. They also have a fraud prevention forum, which provides you with a 404 error page not found. Now, that, that irritates a web designer. Maybe they should update that and find a better way to offer assistance. Again, with the Internet being so new, I grew up in a time where there was no such thing as a computer. There are no laws governing or guidelines for proper uses of the net. The Internet can be abused, and that venue is being abused on a day-to-day -day basis. Bottom line, we really need to rally together and make changes via, memberships, via members in Parliament. Contact your MPP. Contact your MP. Be a voice. However, change will take time, lots of time. Now, similar question, but it's a little bit of a different focus. In what way do you, do you want to use the web to help women overcome or work around the obstacles that you and others face in getting your money back? You painted a very depressing picture of the chances of the getting the money back, which is why I'm asking you this question. How can you use the web to help women overcome or work around those obstacles? Monica? How can I use it? How mm -hmm. about how have I used it? Both. Twitter, 
hired me to create him a website called www.findthedollars.com. However, he never paid me for his domain name and his hosting, so that meant, since I paid for them, they're mine. I removed all of his business content information that his clients went to look at and replaced it with his photo, his information on his charges and court dates, the Toronto Star article, all his aliases that he goes by, his many usernames on Plenty of Fish, and stories from his victims. That was a shocker when his clients went on. This way, any of his clients that logged into his website would get to view what is really happening in Witter's world. As for victim stories, I found that none of the victims really wanted to come forward with the story, as they wished to remain anonymous. They just wanted to sweep it under the rug and move forward with their lives. Now, personally, I don't understand that mentality. I've always told my children, be the change you wish to see in the world. If you're not going to come forward, then this con man will continue on conning someone else. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Say something. Do something. Stop what he's doing so it doesn't happen to anyone else. Now, one of my colleagues had set up Witter with a social media outlet. I had asked her to move forward with that. He has a Facebook page called Cretus Capital, which I have since taken over and will be updating with all pertinent information as it becomes available. This is pretty awesome as it contains all of his previous clients. There's also a Twitter page. However, I don't do Twitter and haven't gotten to that yet, but I'll work on it. Now, I want to ask you this question. What's what about the progress you've made so far? Because you obviously have made progress. That's a very interesting story in the way that you've turned the Internet around um, to reveal the damage, the harm, and the person who did the damage and harm to you. Um, so how do you judge your progress, and what more do you want to do, do you intend to do on the web by making in the way of making more progress. Monica? Now, I, I think I've done a lot so far. However, there's still more to happen, so let's see. To date, I have his website information on his fraudulent behavior written on www.glenwhitter.com. Please and say that paper. again so that people get that. Say that again. E-L-E-N-N. W-H-I-T-T-E-R dot com. I have assisted the Toronto Star in preparing a front page article which supplies his name and photo. I've been solicited by CBC for an upcoming documentary on internet dating frauds, which I should have about a quarter of that show. And again, my stipulation is always as long as you put his picture and his name out there so he's found. I've also been contacted by a private filmmaker asking if he could create a documentary on this story. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I'm in the process of writing a book, and the book's going to be called Raped Financially, which will be published very soon. The book will reveal in full detail how he did it and what women should watch for when dealing with online dating scammers. Today, I purchased the domain name of rapedfinancially.com, which will also be forwarded to glenwitter.com. When the book is completed, it will be available for purchase online at both those websites. 
Now, I've never written a book before, so this is a new experience for me. As I said before, I tried to work on it last year. How every time I sat down with it, I ended up in a very deep, dark hole of depression. So I had to pack it away and stick it in my drawer. Well, with all the responses I've received from the Toronto Star article, I figured it was time to take it back out and continue working on it. I'm pleased to say that I am well over the halfway mark. Being a graphic artist, I was able to design my own cover. That takes care of my creativity side and makes me happy. And I have a very good friend and colleague who deals in print, and we found a place where I can get this printed. So I'm going to self-publish this book. The only challenge I foresee is the funding needed to get the book to print. As I mentioned earlier, this has taken a financial toll on me. It's been over a year now, and I feel that I have accepted what has happened. We call this the acceptance stage. And I've come to realize that I had some lessons to learn, and this was one of my big lessons in life. A colleague and very good friend of mine says, you get a whisper in your ear, a tap on your shoulder, and then a brick to the head. Well, this was my brick to the head. I figured I could fix them. And from this I've learned you can't fix anyone but yourself. Now I know what to avoid, and I'm sharing that with others. The strange part is, since I met this man, I've kept explicit notes and copies of everything he's done, every email he sent me. I don't know why I've done it, as I've never been able to make notes before. This makes it so easy to work on that book. I'm coming across a roadblock finding out information on Witter's past, though. Two of the victims have tried talking to a couple of his old friends, but no one wants to divulge any information, which I find strange. I did receive an email from one woman telling me that she remembered he lived with them as he was a friend of her brother's, but under the name of Glenn Duncan. When I asked if her brother would speak to me about it, the answer was an adamant nope. I've tried locating information via the Toronto School Board, but they too won't divulge any information. I'm hoping that more information will present itself as it will help me understand why he would do something like this. I also did find a couple of the victims came forward stating that he had bipolar and he is depressive, which does answer a lot about his behavior. I would just like to know more. One woman thinks he's in Florida, another thinks he's in Manitoba, yet he doesn't have a passport to leave the country. As for the ending of the book, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Maybe I might have to end it with, and where is he now? (laughs) The Internet will be a means of promoting the book, and luckily, being a web designer and graphic artist, I don't have to hire someone to do those job functions. Just very quickly, I'm going to say back to you, you've traveled a very, very interesting journey. You have been challenged. You have responded to the challenge. And not only have you recovered, but you've found a new outlet for your skills, for your abilities, and for your sense of justice so that you are working effectively to protect or to interest other people in protecting themselves against the kind of awful things that you've been through. So we've not finished this um, this particular episode yet, but I'll just say a quick, please keep up the good work because I think it's absolutely vital. Oh, now, thank it, you. That makes me feel good. Excellent. Now, it's time again for the break. 
This is Dr. Gordon Adley. My guest is Monica Draper. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Think of the world. 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join Gary Ray with his co-host Linda Crater as they show what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Monica Draper. Our topic is Women Unite on the Web to Defeat Fraudsters. So let's talk about what more you, Monica, would like to see done to help protect people like you and others against fraudsters. So first question, what more would you like to see done by the police and justice systems to protect people like you against fraudsters? Monica. What would I like to see done? Well, the Internet is so new that, as I stated, there's no laws governing it. It's a free-for-all. And you have to be so careful with how you interact on the Internet. In Canada, yay for Canada, a new cyberbullying law has just been passed, which is a very positive outcome for public safety. This came about after the death of a 15-year-old Saskatchewan high school student who committed suicide after the relentless online taunts, taunts and tormenting. Yay for the government. Kudos for at least making a change. But we need more. In the States, a woman was stabbed and beaten by a man that she met through Match.com, another Internet dating site. She was
was suing Match.com, alleging that it doesn't do enough to screen out violent offenders and warn users of potential dangers. Apparently, this man committed suicide. However, he was also wanted for allegedly murdering his ex-girlfriend, who was also through Match.com. Now, Match.com calls this woman's lawsuit absurd. The woman, the company stated, the many millions of people who have found love on Match.com and other online dating sites know how fulfilling it is. And while that doesn't make what happened to this case any less awful, this is about a sick, twisted individual with no prior um, criminal record, not an entire community of men and women looking to date each other. Did someone not note that he allegedly murdered an ex-girlfriend? Most people who have been injured or scammed on dating websites don't say anything because they're embarrassed and think that no one would really take them seriously. And, oh, my God, you're on a dating website? And it doesn't help that these companies are making comments on how wonderful their dating websites are, let alone on how much money they are profiting. In California, eHarmony, Match.com, and Spark Networks signed an agreement with the Attorney General stating that they will protect their members through the use of online safety tools, including checking subscribers against national sex offender registries and by providing a rapid abuse reporting system for members. Where is this in Canada? What are we as Canadians doing to combat issues like this on Internet dating sites? If they can do this in the U.S., Come on, why can't we do that here? Good question. Now, next one for you. What more would you like to see done by governments and the finance and business sectors to help? What more from them? Monica? There are companies online where you can initiate a self-check. You can then share that personal information and let others know that you are serious and aren't hiding anything. It will verify your identity, validate that you do not have a criminal record, verify that you are indeed divorced, and whether or not you have gone bankrupt. If each person completes the self-check and is uploaded to a dating website, then that would cut down on fake profiles, no? Are you aware of how many fake profiles are on dating websites? I did a search in Google, and it states one in ten profiles are fake. Unfortunately, it's advantageous for an online dating website to have lots of profiles. The more profiles means more individuals for you to choose from, even if they aren't real. In order for a dating website to verify profiles, this would require them to take responsibility. It would cost them a lot of money to do this, as it would require code changes, monitoring, and increased employees. Where's the profit in that? They're a business, and their mandate is to make money. If they are not mandated by the government to be more responsible, then why would they take the initiative to do so? Therefore, verifying a potential mate falls in your hands and your hands alone. Dating websites are not going to assist you. Maybe we should be asking the government to mandate dating websites to initiate self-checks. I would jump on the bandwagon for that. That would make sense to me. I feel the government needs to take this type of crime more seriously. The U.S. is way ahead of us on this. Broad penalties in Canada are a joke. Witter had given out two-second mortgages on my property without my knowledge and forged my signature. The RCMP would not move forward with charging him, as it would cost the government more money to bring in someone to analyze his handwriting than it would be to penalize him, as the penalty is peanuts. We need that changed. Again, 
We need to talk to our MPPs and our MPs and have them write the laws. Right. Now, finally, what's your message for people like you about protecting themselves against fraudsters? Monica? All right. If you're going to date online, then do your due diligence. I can't say that enough. Women in our age bracket receive a lot of emails from fake profiles, many from Nigerian scammers. I'm still online, as I hope to promote my book to others who associated with him in the forums. And while I'm online, I can say that I receive about one email per week from a scammer. However, I can now pick them out very quickly. There are many red flags, and I've compiled a short list for you. Verify that the photo of the man contacting you is real. It's a simple process. Open your Internet browser, go to Google Images or TinEye, drag or upload the photo, and up will pop a listing of where else that photo has been found on the net. Many scammers steal photos from the Internet. In fact, someone even took the photo of Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Now, I don't think Prime Minister Harper is really looking for a date. <laughs> Next, be wary of the widower with child. That's a common one. Many women have a soft spot, and that one will pull at you. Next, move the conversation over to the phone as soon as possible. Sure, you'll be nervous, but you can probably tell within 30 seconds if someone is real or not. Then, quickly arrange for a meet and greet. If they don't want to meet, then chances are they aren't real. Use search engines. Check for the person on social networking sites, search, such as Facebook. You can also plug in passages from a profile on their dating site or an entire email message on Google, and you can search for any sob story scenario you hear to see if it's a common thing. Pay attention to their language. Is there non-standard English or flowery phrasing that isn't quite the norm where you live? If you've been contacted by someone and they profess their undying love for you and you haven't even met the man yet, run. If there is talk of money, either cashing checks, money orders, or outright being asked for money, that's a sure sign that you're being scammed. If someone states that they're a financial specialist, check their credentials. Validate that they are real. I wish I had. And if you're on a dating website, why is the other person even discussing money? You're there to meet someone, not hand over your life savings. There are also websites out there where you can initiate a self-check for a fee, like I discussed earlier. Then swap the findings with the other person on the other end. And if you're looking at moving into a relationship with this person, then check everything you can about them on the net. Do an online search for the person and never, never, never give anyone your money. I have right. that lesson learned. Very, very powerful message. We've come to the end of this powerful episode, Monica, and I want to say thank you, first of all, to you for being so open with us and for your being so active and so powerful in what you're doing to help others to bring some kind of protection to dating sites, to the internet, and that kind of thing. And all I can say to you is, first of all, all success to you in your web work and the very best of success to you with your book because that's important and uh, just a little hint if when the book's published you think another episode on family caregivers unite would be an interesting interesting for our audience get in touch with me i'm sure we can arrange it oh that would now, be I, awesome 
<laughs> now, I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be Family Caregiving for Women and the Alzheimer's Crisis. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 